BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sport Jack. Sport Jack. It's Sport Jack. Welcome to episode 344 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Jose Batista episode? Now, he's a professional wrestler. No, you're thinking of just Batista. This is Jose Batista, former Toronto Blue Jay. Had 54 home runs for the Jays in 2010. He hit 344 career home runs. And Corey, to the best of my knowledge, he is the only Major League Baseball player who is a 46 sports follower on Twitter. <laughs> is that so? He is. And I was shocked the day it happened. I I don't know what I would have said or done he he's known for bat flips, so maybe I showed a, a home run with his bat flip or something like that. But he followed me on on Twitter, and I thought, oh man, this is really cool. Jose Batista follows me on Twitter, and then I looked and found out he follows eight hundred seventy nine thousand six hundred people on Twitter. <laughs> does he have a blue check mark? He does have a blue check mark. It's really him. Yes, it's really him. But. God bless him. I mean, he's got over a million followers. He just won a bronze medal in the Olympics with the Dominican Republic, one of those players out of the game that went and played. But that kind of took away the special feeling when I realized, oh, I'm one of 879,600 people that he has followed. Did it? Does it kind of feel like the time when you thought Carol Channing was following you? <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. Only to find out that she was indeed dead. dead. <laughs> Joey is very much alive. We have proof of life on Joey Batista. Joey Bats, as he's called. But Jose Batista with 344 career home runs. This Sport Jack episode dedicated to you. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is good! 
Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Boy, anytime you can roll out a Casablanca quote, you're right in there, aren't you? Oh, you know it, baby. <laughs> Claude Rains in Casablanca says, round up the usual suspects. And I couldn't think of a better line to describe the preseason college football poll that the coaches put out yesterday. This will surprise you, but Alabama and Clemson are ranked one and two in college football this season to start the year. There's a shocker. And guess who three, four, and five are? Oh, I don't know. Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Georgia. Oh, boy. It's almost that order every year. How long has it been that way? Gosh, the last four or five years, I think, at the top of the poll. Now, the interesting thing here is that Notre Dame, despite losing a three-year starter at quarterback, despite losing four out of their five offensive linemen to the NFL – Brian Kelly's Fighting Irish checking at number seven in the preseason poll. That is the highest they've been ranked since 2006 when Charlie Weiss was here. Remember that 2006 team is coming off 2005, the year of the Bush push. Nerdin gets to a major bowl game and they come back. They're bringing back Brady Quinn. They're bringing back Jeff Samarja. They're bringing back Tom Zibikowski. Lots of expectations for that 06 team. And that was a good team. It wasn't the third best team in America, but it was a good team. Well, this Notre Dame team checks in at number seven. And are they that good? Well, we're going to find out because if you look at their schedule... They have four top 15 preseason teams on the schedule. So let me call up the poll here because I, I want to make sure Did that Did you say I, crawl up the poll? No, call up oh, the poll. Oh, okay, sorry. Calling sorry. up a poll is something that uh, Glenn Campbell might have done because he was a lineman for the county. <laughs> but we'll call up the poll here and we see that outside of the teams that we mentioned... The Irish opponents, North Carolina is ranked number nine preseason. Cincinnati is number 10. USC is 14, and Wisconsin is 15. So the Irish are going to get some tests this year. Now, three of those four tests are within the confines of Notre Dame Stadium, where the Irish have been dynamite over the last few years. But still, North Carolina... Their quarterback is ranked in the top two of returning quarterbacks. Cincinnati's a team that went to a major bowl game last year. Yes, Notre Dame now has Cincinnati's defensive coordinator, but the Bearcats are a talented group. USC, Keaton Slovis, is one of the top two quarterbacks in college football this year, and they always have plenty of talent. It's just whether Clay Helton can get it to come together. And then Wisconsin is that game at Soldier Field that kind of kicks off a a huge five-game stretch for the Irish. Remember, starting with that Wisconsin game, they go Wisconsin, Cincinnati, at Virginia Tech, they get a bye week, and then USC and North Carolina. That's a pretty tough stretch for the Irish. So we'll see if they are worthy of that number seven ranking. Uh, Iowa State surprisingly comes in at number eight. Matt Campbell gets a, a lot of love for the Cyclones there. And obviously the Big 12, who knows what that's going to look like this year. 
their main competition in that conference will be Oklahoma, which checks in at number three. By the way, Oklahoma was the only other team that got first place votes. Clemson did not get any first place votes, yet finished number two in the poll behind Alabama. Alabama received 63 of the 65 first place votes in the coaches poll. And then the other intriguing thing is Tom Allen's Indiana Hoosiers check in at number 17. I'm excited about this. I would think that all IU folks should be excited about this Mm -hmm. because this is the first time that Indiana has been ranked in the top 25 of a preseason college football poll since 1968. That's something. Wow. So what a job Tom Allen has done in just restoring some belief and some confidence in this team. And I'll tell you what, from those sounds of it, he's having a pretty good time out there on the recruiting circuit. And I don't mean just parties and everything. He's getting the job done in terms of recruiting. We'll get an idea of how good the Hoosiers are right off the bat. Their opening game is against number 18, Iowa, in a huge Big Ten clash. So right away, the Hoosiers will be put to the test. But Man, it's good to hear college football talk. It's good to start to see these polls come out, even though they're meaningless right now, just to get the feeling that college football is back. And certainly over at Notre Dame, fall camp is underway. They've got a new defensive coordinator. We mentioned him earlier, Marcus Freeman. He met with the media yesterday. And among the players that was really being talked up is a young man by the name of Houston Griffith. Houston Griffith was all set to leave Notre Dame this year. He had entered the transfer portal, and Brian Kelly told Marcus Freeman, your number one recruit that you have to get is Houston Griffith. Get him out of the transfer portal, get him back on our roster. So Marcus Freeman kind of went about building a relationship with Houston Griffith. He had known his dad. Pause button. Uh, why did he enter it? Was he not happy here? Yeah, he wasn't getting a ton of playing time. Okay. He wasn't happy. Whatever Clark Lee was doing defensively, and obviously Clark Lee did a very good job defensively because he got a head coaching job out of it, Houston Griffith didn't either grasp that system or fit that system, one or the other. His dad, Howard Griffith, had a very nice NFL career. And Marcus Freeman knew Howard Griffith from that, but he didn't know Houston that well. So he set about getting to know Houston, developing a relationship with him. And in so doing and in showing Houston Griffith the kinds of things that Marcus Freeman wants to do within his defensive system, I think he gained the trust of Houston Griffith, and I think he rebuilt the confidence of Houston Griffith. You know, it's hard to have confidence when you don't get a whole lot of playing time. You're coming out of high school. You were you were big time there. You were big time. You come here, and it, it's not unusual for a freshman to kind of have to sit and learn the ropes. But Houston Griffith came in with a lot of hype and had not delivered on that hype to this point. And whatever Marcus Freeman did in building that relationship and rebuilding his confidence... It seems to have shown, and Houston Griffith admitted to the media yesterday, he's showing me that I have tools that I didn't even know I had. 
So you get that kind of confidence, and now you put Houston Griffith at the back end of that defense with Kyle Hamilton, who's an All-American. That could be a pretty formidable safety tandem for Notre Dame back there. I still have questions about the cornerbacks, especially depth, and even Marcus Freeman admitted that yesterday. They don't have a whole lot of depth at cornerback. I do like the front line and the job Mike Elston does with the defensive line. I think they'll be okay at linebacker. They need some better play this year out of the will linebacker, the weak side linebacker, who lines up opposite side of the tight end. And Maris Leofau played that position last year. I have the feeling it'll be Maris Leofau this year. But even if it's not, they need to get some better play out of there. What will Jack Kaiser do? filling in the rover position for Jeremiah Wusu koromoa He's not going to be as electric or dynamic as Koromoa, but he could be a good player there. And then where does Paul Moala, the young man out of Penn High School, fit into that rover position as well anymore? So there are some questions that Marcus Freeman has to answer, but I think the one thing that he has found is he can really shore up the back end of that defense with Griffith and Hamilton. Okay. Are they, are they rolling out all of the different coaches throughout the week? Is that what's happening? So Tommy Reese will be tomorrow, okay. the offensive coordinator, and we'll get some offensive players. And I think we'll get Brian Kelly again on Saturdays. Saturdays seem to be the day for Mr. Kelly okay. this year, at least until we get towards the season. <laughs> until you start playing a football game that right. day. Right, yes. Okay. You want to segue into baseball? We can. Uh, the Cubs continue to flounder. Again, we've talked about it, this lineup right now, and and they are getting some terrific play out of some people. Rafael Ortega is on a great hitting streak since the All-Star break. He's one of the top hitters in baseball since the All-Star break. Uh, They've got this kid out of St. John's, Frank Schwindel, who's been playing first base. He's been swinging a pretty decent bat. There just aren't enough bats, and a lot of the veterans just aren't getting the job done. Ian Happ's batting 178, and he can't handle a fastball above the waist anymore. I I just don't know what his future is within the organization. He was the best player on this team last year during the pandemic year, and he might be one of the worst right now Mm. on this team. Uh, Duffy has not been the same Matt Duffy since coming back from the injured list. They just don't have enough offense. This is a team that ranks 13th in the National League in on-base percentage. There's only 14 teams in the league. And they rank 10th in the National League in runs scored. And the Brewers took advantage of that yesterday. Milwaukee has terrific pitching. And they doubled up the Cubs in a doubleheader, winning Game 1-4-2 and Game 2-6-3. The Cubs are now 11 games below five hundred. They have not been this far below 500 since the end of the 2014 season. And you might sit there and say, well, this is because they trade away Rizzo and Baez and Bryant. They might have been more competitive. They might have been closer to 500. But 500's not getting you anywhere. you got to be a winning team again. And that's why they made the trade. By the way, since the trade, Javi Baez injured Anthony Rizzo on the COVID list. Chris Bryant's been swinging a pretty good bat for the Giants. But those guys weren't going to win in a Cubs uniform this year. So get that thought out of your head right now. I'm not necessarily saying that Jed Hoyer made great moves because we're not going to know whether they were great moves for a while. 
But he did what the Ricketts family asked him to do, which was unload salary that wasn't going to bring back a benefit. Now, you might say, well, why is Jason Hayward on the team? Why is Ian Happ still on the team? You have to show some value in order to get traded. Right now, who would want Jason Hayward, who, by the way, is injured anyway, and who would want Ian Happ? If they had a better showing, they might be gone as well, but they just it's been a stinky year, so it's like nobody wants them. Right. And you got to have somebody around that the fans have heard of maybe for a little bit. Well, I mean, the only guy they have oh. that's really from that core group anymore is Wilson Contreras. Right. And the reason they have Wilson Contreras is because I think they've pretty well shown that they have nobody else in the organization right now that can play catcher hmm. and stay healthy. They've run a th- lot of backup catchers out there this year, and they're all on the injured list, except for the current one, Robinson Chirinos. So the Cubs are what they are right now, which is not very good. Different story on the south side, even though they lost to Minnesota last night, 4-3. to three. Uh, The White Sox at one time were the hottest team in the American League. They had won four in a row before last night's loss. We've talked about the production that they're getting out of their pitching staff and their bullpen. But it's nice for them to have both Eloy Jimenez, who has been really hot lately. He had four homers in two games over the weekend, Sunday and Monday. Luis Robert is back from his injury. He played one of his first games back last night. Jose Abreu starting to swing the bat well again. He had a big home run last night. And I also want to give a shout-out to my boy Mike Monaco. Mike Monaco filled in for me on a Notre Dame baseball game back when he was in college. I want to say around 2014. He's a 2015 grad at the University of Notre Dame. So you can do the math. He's probably about 27 years old right now. He's worked his way up through the minor leagues, did a couple of years at Pawtucket. And now he is kind of reaping the benefits of that. He has been filling in on some Red Sox games for Nesson. Uh, He was a a Massachusetts native and loves the Red Sox. He's done some work on ESPN. He's done a couple of major league games there. And this week, Jason Benetti, the White Sox broadcaster, was diagnosed with COVID. So Jason Benetti has had to sit out. And Mike Monaco, on very short notice, went into the White Sox booth. And I listened to him in both games that he's done so far and has done a stellar job getting rave reviews, not only from the fans, but from Steve Stone, who's been doing this for 40 years. And to me, Steve Stone is the gold standard of analysts in Major League Baseball right now. And when you get a guy like Stoney going on Twitter and singing your plaudits, you've done something. And so congratulations to my friend Mike Monaco, who just continues to be a rising star in sportscasting and his his future is so bright he's got to wear shades i mean he's doing a great job that's a great story chuck real great tigers won last night heimer candelario homered in a 9-4 triumph over baltimore i think we've said this about eight times on the show in the last month they're making progress they're 55 and 60 right now there's still five games below 500 but if A.J. Hinch could somehow get that team to 500 by the end of the year, that's a whale of a job that he has done in Detroit. Now, they're not going to win anything. They're not going to the playoffs. 
Same story holds for the Tigers as for the Cubs. If you're not 500, you're not going anywhere. But in the case of the Cubs, they've come from the top and fallen to the bottom or are in the process of falling to the bottom. The Tigers were at rock bottom, and they are rising up. And with what they've brought in within the Major League Draft in the last couple of years, I think they could be a really good team around 2023. I want to get your opinion on something that happened in college sports yesterday, and it happened just down the road at Valparaiso University. Okay. Valparaiso University last year made the announcement that they no longer wanted to have their teams called the Crusaders because, in their opinion, the name Crusaders was being used by hate groups and had been adopted by them and they didn't feel like that was something that they wanted their school to be associated with. Valparaiso University is a Lutheran school in northwest Indiana. Instead, they have changed their nickname to the Beacons because they want to be a beacon of light in the world. Your thoughts? Well, uh, I'm not a great historian, but when I hear the word Crusaders, I think of the Crusades. And that's not exactly a great shining moment in Christian faith history. So that's what I tie that name to. Hate groups, I I actually didn't know that that was being used by anybody. Um, So my mind went to the Crusades, to which I would say, yeah, go ahead and change your name if it's that. But the hate group thing, I I was caught off guard by that. Beacons isn't a bad name, but... um, I don't know. Do we need an explanation sometimes? Can you just go ahead and do it and and move on? I don't know. Well, you can't just go ahead and do it and move on because you've made a big deal about changing from Crusaders. Mm -hmm. Beacons almost strikes me as though, and and I get the concept. You're a religious university. You want to be a light unto the world. Mm -hmm. It almost, though to me, comes across as non-competitive. Okay. You the know word that, beacon doesn't strike fear in the opponent across the and, field? And I'm, look, the nickname thing is often overrated, okay? Um, and, and you can get into big to-dos about all kinds of different nicknames. But, you know, just because a team calls itself, let's say, the Tigers... Ooh, you know, are are you really going to quiver in fear because you're playing the Tigers? I realize LSU actually rolls a tiger, a live tiger, out there, and they put a mic down by there, and they get them to growl, and it, you know, echoes throughout the stadium, and that can be a little intimidating. However, first of all, to me, when you say Crusaders, and yes, I agree with you, I think to a certain extent, it does refer to the Crusades. Although when they adopted the nickname in the 1920s, a lot of the Crusades that were being done in this country were Crusades to uh, promote education, to promote religion, to uh, do other things, and they were nonviolent Crusades. Mm -hmm. So I think you could have the term Crusader and defend it if you wanted to in a way that shouldn't offend people. Beacons certainly won't offend people, and and if we're trying to get to the goal of that, then they've achieved that. 
Somehow, though, I think in a nickname, and especially for a college where you, you really rely on your alumni to support you, I think it has to connect in some way. Well, I was going to say I feel like there might be a disconnect as well. I've lived here since 91, and I never called them the Crusaders. I called them Valpo. Right. I called the high school Valpo. I don't even know what Valparaiso High School's... They're the Vikings. They're the Vikings. Yeah. I think of Valpo. Yeah. Which, okay, let's face it. Vikings aren't kind. But you know what? Not every mascot is meant to be kind. Right. Either. Yeah, it's... It just depends on how much the school wants to put up a fuss of, well, you're a Viking, and you know what Vikings do. Yeah, it's sports. Come on. Right. And and I think there has to be a certain amount. Of, I'm not saying be reckless or careless, mm-hmm. but I just don't know. I don't know how many Valparaiso fans or alumni will say, I'm proud to be a beacon yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. In the world of hockey, sad day, Tony Esposito, great Blackhawk goalie from the early 1970s, really, Corey, the first Blackhawks goalie that I remember. Okay. Uh, passed away of pancreatic cancer yesterday at the age of 78. The Blackhawks have made a big deal about taking some of their let's say classic players, they're older players, the ones who aren't playing anymore, Mm -hmm. and giving them the title of ambassador. They want them out in the community. They want them meeting with the fans. They want them promoting the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know that anybody adopted that as well as Tony Esposito, who was already a popular figure with fans anyway, and then he went out and got to meet them and shared stories and... It only grew the love for Tony O even more. This guy had a stellar career. Three-time Vezina Trophy winner, which goes to the top goaltender in professional hockey. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And one of the reasons he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, Corey, is he he kind of changed the position. Before Tony Esposito, goalies kind of moved more like, almost like offensive linemen. You know, they were, they literally went to block the puck. Tony Esposito was basically, I'm going to take the center of the net and I'm going to rely on the quickness of my extremities to defend the corners and the sides of the net. It was called the butterfly style of goaltending. Okay. So you think of a butterfly who's got that core Mm -hmm. and the wings move on the sides, and that's basically how Tony Esposito defended the net. The wings do the work. Right. The stick helping to defend the one side, the glove the other, the two skates, being willing to to churn those legs and, and really make a lot of skate saves and kick saves. And that was Tony Esposito's style. And to be honest, it was an exciting style to watch. Far more than Watching the goal. I mean, goalies before Esposito, have you ever seen those games of hockey where you take the guys and you control the knobs and you move them? Yes. And that seemed to be how goalies moved. And Espo just changed that so much. So exciting to watch as a kid. And uh, a sad day for the Blackhawks organization yesterday. 
to lose one of the great ambassadors of the game at the age of 78. And it's rare that we talk about European football on here, but this whole thing with Leo Messi leaving Barcelona and La Liga and going to the Champions League. Now, Leo Messi has been around the game forever. He is in his mid to late 30s now. The reception that he got going to Paris yesterday is usually reserved for Jerry Lewis, Elvis, the Beatles. It was that kind of reception. Everywhere he went, he had cameras and crowds following him. Unbelievable reception for Messi in Paris yesterday as he signs with Paris Saint-Germain. Here's a guy, twilight of his career. Maybe they think he can be the Tom Brady of the Champions League. I don't know. He signed for 35 to 40 million a year. I I'm just <laughs> I'm befuddled. I have never been to Paris, man. Well, Leo Messi has now, and he he's got to be thrilled with the reception that he got. Apparently, Something happened in La Liga where Barcelona just flat out couldn't afford him. Well, and so they had to cut him loose, and that's where that's where he has been a star. That's where he has made his name, and so we will see how Messi does. Now he's not in the Premier League; he's not there with Ted Lasso, but <laughs> he is in the Champions League. Okay, overrated and underrated, Corey. I have a name for you because this guy was on the broadcast of the Cubs game last night. Now, he wasn't up in the booth, but they interviewed him during the Cubs game. Okay. And then they asked people to choose their favorite movie that he was in. Oh, my. Did he get to hear what they'd say? Or it was just a... It was a poll that they were running throughout the broadcast. Interesting. Anthony Michael Hall. (laughs) Who I think is in town to uh, film something for Chicago. Because I have a buddy at uh, WGN that got to hang out with him last week. Okay. Um, You know, great 80s star. He's got a handful of things under his belt. Like, I love The Dark Knight. I love that Batman movie. He's in that. It's not a huge role. He's like a television anchor. But, I mean, Farmer Ted from 16 Candles and Brian from... Uh, Breakfast Club, that great Kenny Rogers uh, racing movie, Six Pack, uh, Vacation. Great uh, talk, Russ. I'm almost about to give you five. And uh, Weird Science. Weird Science. I would say down the middle. I don't think uh, you're missing out if you don't, if you, if you miss an Anthony Michael Hall movie. But at the same time, I don't see a performance that go, oh, brother. I'd say down the middle. I'm going to go slightly overrated. Okay. I'm not sure that he was in good movies. I'm not sure they were good movies because of him. Okay. So I I think that he's been able to ride the coattails of that. By the way, he looks nothing like he did. Yeah, he kind of filled out, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Well, not not in a bad way. I he mean, he's a, not. No, I mean, just a. He actually looks like he's in shape. Yeah. He had a uh, a USA show. It was a Stephen King. Uh, y- y- he could either see the future. Do you remember what that was? It was a good run, and Christopher Walken was in the movie version of it. Mm. Um, the name escapes me, but it, it had a good run there for a while. But 
That would be a good name for a show. The name escapes me. I actually interviewed him one time back on the U93 days. He was, he was, a, he was a decent guy. I mean, we rolled out Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, sure. weird science questions, but he was, he was Why game. Why wouldn't you? That's, that's what his career is. Yeah, he was game. He was actually pushing a music album he recorded. So there's that. Yeah. The next name I'm going to throw out at you. You said overrated. I said down the middle. Yes. Okay. Chris Rock. Ooh, boy. You know, I've, I'll have see him on the cover of a Rolling Stone, and they'll give him a headline of like, is this the best comedian ever or in this particular decade or year? I think he's funny, mm-hmm. but I don't go out of my way to see what he's saying. I don't go out of my way back in the day to stay up and watch a late night show because he was on. I think he adds a little bit of this and that to a performance, but I'm going to go overrated. I would agree. I I mean, I've seen his stand-up act, and I think he is funny in the stand-up act. But when I see the stand-up act and I think of him, Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart, and I'm, you know, I realize... Ladies and gentlemen, I realize I just listed four black comedians. I'm pigeonholing here a little bit, but hear the point out. He'd rank fourth in that group. Okay. I would agree with you on that. Now, that's not to say that you're bad if you rank fourth in that group. Yeah, that's like the Mount Rushmore of African-American comedians. I mean, in all honesty. Richard Pryor would have to be on the Mount Rushmore. And I know this is touchy. Cosby. In his day, yes. Yeah. In his day. Absolutely. You know who else I used to love was Bernie Mac. That Bernie Mac yeah. show was so good. But with those particular four, I'd put him at fourth. Yeah. Chris Rock. So when you're seeing magazine covers like that, where it says, is he? No, he's not. No. He's not. Um, do I think Chris Rock is funny? Yes, I do. Um, I... The reason I thought of him is uh, the movie Grown Ups was on uh, last week. Uh And obviously he's in that movie with Sandler. Who's he married Uh, to in that movie? Like, who's his wife? Is it Mia Rudolph? Maya Rudolph, yeah. 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 She was was pregnant at the time of Grown Ups 1, I think. Okay. And then Grown Ups 2 was afterwards. I mean, it's a great cast that Sandler throws together in that movie. Um, but I thought he was super funny as the voice in um, Madagascar as the zebra. I right, that was pretty funny. But again, how much of that is the writing? Is he doing his own writing on that? Right. You know the the, the TV show Everybody Hates Chris, which was kind of his response to Everybody Loves Raymond, mm-hmm. Everybody Hates Chris, um, was okay, but. I've never seen anything that he's done where I've just said, wow, there isn't somebody else that could do that. Would you pay money to see Eddie Murphy do stand-up? Oh, yes. Dave Chappelle? Yeah. Kevin Hart? Yeah. Chris Rock? I like his stand-up act. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, all four of those guys can get into foul territory. You, you have to understand that when you're going to see them. Sure. That it's not always going to be family friendly. Right. That said, I think he's funny. Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Robin Williams. 
God rest his soul, what, 10 years ago today? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would have. I, Corey, I love to laugh. I mean, to me, I would, I know this is blasphemous in your world. I would rather go see a stand-up comedian than a music group. Nothing wrong with that. I get that. Carrot Top. No. He's not <laughs> funny. Have you ever seen him? No. Then you can't say that. I can. I can say whatever I want. It doesn't necessarily have to be based on fact or experience. Keep your mind open to that one if he ever comes around. What about again. Gallagher? Uh, I never. I'm, I just remember him smashing things, but I don't actually remember the actual stand-up, right, or jokes or anything no. like that. No. Would you have gone to see Rickles? Yes. Back in the day. Yes. Mm-hmm. As would I. But I would have sat way in the back where he couldn't see me and say anything to me. <laughs> would that have worried you if he had? <laughs> yes, that dude was brutal, brutal. You're on Twitter, right? I am at Forty Six Sports. Jose Batista knows that. Well, good, good for you. Yeah, I know. Good, good <laughs> believe for me. You. When I looked up eight hundred seventy nine thousand six hundred followers, I thought to myself, oh, "Good for me." <laughs> Sports Yak's on Twitter, too. It's Sports Yak with two Ks. Until next time, you're, Yak fans. Wait a minute. You're on Twitter, too. Don't sell yourself short, mister. I've been backing off a little bit, so I don't feel like I'm I'm nowhere near the caliber you are. So Just because I tweet a lot doesn't mean it's quality stuff. At my name is Corey, C-O-R-E-Y. Yeah. Until next time, Yak fans. Ugalugo, Joey Bats, Jose Batista. You're lots of followers. And following. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code program.